This is The Union, the intersection between people, apps, and AI. We'll inspire and challenge you as we ask questions, uncover insights, and share inspiring stories about digital ecosystems and automation. All right. Well, hey there. I'm Scott King, and that is Chris Krause. Hey, Krause. How are you? Hey. How's it going? It's going good. Going good. Hey, today, um, this is our second episode of a three-part series on how we're talking about how to integrate ChatGPT, BARD, or Watson X, any generative AI, or really any AI into your business. Uh, the previous episode, Chris, we covered integrating those systems. Um, today, we're going to talk about if they're integrated, they should do something. Like all these systems right. should help the employees <clears throat> do something. They may do a part of their job, uh, talk to customers, uh, speed up processes, uh, you know, provide maybe like a virtual helper, virtual assistant. That's one of the most popular use cases. I think it's the most obvious use case. Um, but kind of stemming from the last one, what, you know, the last episode when we talked about integration and now we're going to talk about doing things, help us bridge, like maybe when you would be in that point of a project, because we're not talking about a long time, right? right. Um, not necessarily a long time, but I think people's project plans may be, um, you know, maybe have too much time in them. It really, really doesn't take too much time to do this. No, and, and the point is, if you're thinking about you want to start adding, like like we talked about, generative AI to give it more human and natural response, there's going to be an action behind that. So now you don't have to say, throw your hands up in the air. Well, we told them there's a recall, or we told them to, to you can your you can re return this item, and then expect to go right into a whole new application for RMA returns and getting labels and all that. You you actually want to bring those two things together because if you think about, we talk about you want to build these AI models in minutes, not months, because we do some different things to actually get the data and use generative AI to give the answer. So say it's like, I've looked up your item and it is a candidate for a return. Now, you actually want in that very moment, in a say in your chat, to just continue with the user. Would you like to start the return process? Um, and then, and of course, you'd say something else like, I just need a few pieces of information, like your name, serial number, and proof of purchase. And then have a workflow, say in, in chat, ask the person, give me your first name, last name, and your address. Okay, and then I've let me confirm your serial number. And then ask them for like a proof of purchase or a picture, or something like that. So you want that to be just a continuation of getting them the answer with the action to follow up, you want to do something. And then in the background, obviously there's, we call APIs. We want to validate the address. We want to create the RMA number. We want to go create the shipping label, you know, and that could based on their zip code, maybe it's USPS, FedEx, DHL, you know, whatever, and then take them to completion. So we wanted to actually do something. We don't want to say, here's some interesting information. We didn't make you read a PDF. Let's go take the next step and automate the five things we need to do to close it out. Because if we can say close out an RMA process, a return process, then the person walks away really happy. And it needs to be contextual. You know, when you answer, you want to say this is a candidate for return, but don't give that every time. If it's, you know, if it's just a, hey, you didn't understand, you probably put your batteries in upside down, watch this video, we'll help you do that. 
you know, we want there to be context and AI does a good job of categorizing things. So we can get the context of what our next action should be. And, and a call center, you probably call it next best action. In yeah. this case, you want to apply that to actually your, your generative AI and all your AI chatbots. And from, I mean, from when you were talking to customers and prospects and partners, mm -hmm. I mean, it seems obvious to us that it should, you know, provide that level of guidance, right? The, yeah. the, the chat experience should, you know, do something like the return example. Where do you yes. think people get stuck? Because they seem not to realize that, okay, well, I already employ all these people that basically do exactly what you described. And you call a call center yeah. or contact, you know, chat with a contact center. They ask you all yeah. the same questions. They're just inputting that into a different system. Yeah. I mean, literally so, is, a, is a machine action. Like, I mean, I mean, in your opinion, why don't people get that? People have struggled with call deflection for years. So call deflection is, can we deflect from the agent to say the telephone system, like do, 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 to get to a menu to get to our thing. Or the chatbots traditionally have just done FAQ lookups, but they haven't been able to actually look up data into real systems and then uh, take you through a multi-step workflow. Um, or if you need to say transfer to an agent in the middle, take the data with you versus has it ever happened to you? Let me get an agent for you. And then you start all over. They don't have the history. Yeah. So <laughs> most chatbots don't have the concept of I have the history of what we've done, where we have an action and complete it out. And that's where people, they're challenged to realize we can do that. The technology now exists. So if we think about say call deflections, which you call in a contact center, actually lifecycle completely for the customer. So they get it done. And quite honestly, they get to do it on their time. They don't have to do it during calling hours or when the system's not busy. They do it in their time zone in the right time for them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to us, especially in that example. And and you did so. Let's let's continue with the the recall example because mm -hmm. I, you know, recalls happen obviously after the proof of purchase. Um, and yes. it could be years, right? I actually looked up a product in my old truck this morning uh, because a gauge went bad. So I looked it up and it said, oh yeah, this is a known problem. You can buy this part. It's like, perfect. But the truck is 15 years old. So <laughs> yeah, incredible. Um, so, you know, when we talk about the these chat systems and the generative AI should support long running conversations, mm -hmm. you know, something that spans a long time, let's say, you know, 15 years, maybe a little bit long, but, um, yeah. but maybe inside of the same year, let's talk about how those systems, you know, if they're integrated and if they understand the context and this workflow, how would that work? And maybe yeah. like employee, employee onboarding is always a popular example that people yeah. ask us about what, I mean, how would that work? Yeah, so the first example was like a one and done. Let's just accomplish and your RMA's there. In the long running, the, if the user comes back, you would want to have the session to say, you know, we've shipped, the, we want to say, we've shipped your part. Did you receive your part? Like when they come back, we should be able to look up that status on their behalf. They shouldn't have to ask the question. So that's, that's like if we took that last one and made it long running, say for two weeks. And it's just to, when they come back, confirm. We, we've shipped the parts, you don't have to ask us, or we, we show the part was delivered, did you get the part installed, something like that. So that you could stretch that one. 
But a lot of the interesting ones are like mentioned, say, employee onboarding, right? In that case, it's not long running. It's long running and multiple parts of the organization and multiple roles. So, you know, you go through your interview process. So you get your job and then HR has to onboard you into the company. So your attestation, you have to like sign up for security training. You have to get hardware. You have to get your, your uh, from one part of IT, a different part of IT is going to give you a global ID and set you up an email. And then you have to take, you know, understand your, be added to the HR system in the organization chart. So all those things are five or six different parts of the process. And quite honestly, I've seen diagrams on the wall, 200, 500 steps in big, complex enterprises, right? But the idea is they are hitting multiple parts of the organization. Some things are automated, some things that humans have to do, right? So when it comes to, say, your manager assigning you into a role in one of the teams, that's something a human would workflow would be, please select the right team to put this person into. If it's something like IT, you don't want to give them their login into the email until they've taken the security training so they don't download spam and all those things. So the idea is you do want some gates and you want orchestration of people and systems and then AI with that. And so the AI will help you give better responses. Sometimes it's looking at things that they need to know um, so they can ask questions along the way. But that would be an example of like not just a long running, but long running and multiple actors. And the idea is to get you productive with your computer, with all your credentials and ready to go and make sure you've taken all your attestations and security training, right? Next yeah, year, because the, yeah, because somebody, right? yeah, somebody is going to be responsible for like, there is a report. Did this group of employees finish all the whatever steps, right? Especially like security yes. training or harassment mm-hmm. training, um, you know, those type of compliance things. Yes. I mean, that, that could be automated and you really don't need, you know, you really don't need to log into a system of record to read that. It should provide that to you. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So that was a really good example. Yeah. I remember, I mean, we did a webinar before using the onboarding example and Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was one of these project management tools. I don't remember which one it was. It was either, uh, it was either Trello or what's the other one, Monday.com or Asana, but they provided a template. Like it was so complicated that they said, okay, here's kind of a a hundred step template you could use for employee onboarding. (laughs) I thought, thought, this is ripe for automation, right? You don't need this. I I was literally working with one of our consulting partners who does business process innovation. And they say, oh, ours for a bank or financial institution is 500 steps. And I was just like, Wow, and they printed it. It was literally six feet long on the wall. It's like, hmm, I'm surprised the computer software navigated that printing routine. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and then depending on yeah, depending on all the variables, of the country, and now I mean the work from home. Imagine trying to integrate your home based IT system into a 500 step you know process. Oh and yeah, you just you, you just wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. All right, so. We've got the, the you know, you, you should have generative AI help you with a long running, you know, just not one session, a long mm-hmm. running. Let's let's talk about since we will bridge from the 500 step banking example, um, you know, how would you change that? Right. So if we're talking about all these long running conversations and we're integrating into to systems, it seems 
that, you know, IT organizations who are already overwhelmed with huge backlogs, right? They, mm-hmm. they can't get all of their work done. There's just too much demand for their capacity. Are we just going to overload them with, with more work and say, okay, hey, this generative AI thing that, you know, that we've seen, we want it in everything now. Go. Like, how, how do they do that? So there's, there's no way. You just answered the first question you gave me. Why don't people do this? Yeah. Like you, you, your first question was like, well, Chris, why don't people do this to make a chatbot more intelligent and complete a process for the RMA? Well, this is why, believe it or not, you answered your own question. It's literally because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do this because I need to create up a project plan. I have to talk to the architects to figure out how are we going to create a chatbot? How does it, how are we going to make it multi-language? You know, localization is the term, right? Does it work in German, French, Italian, Spanish, you know, katakana, kanji, things like that. And then you like, you define all the requirements and you're six months in and you say, okay, now we need to go pick some engines. So it's literally because the mindset is there can't be software to do this. People haven't solved this problem, but we have, right? So the key is, you want to you want to have a strong architecture behind this. So you want something like an AI iPads, which understands how to connect to WatsonX, Bart, Bear, ChatGPT, and maybe based on the context of your conversation, they have the right large language model, things like that, right? So you want that to be plug and play, pick the right one, and then you want to be able to integrate to backend systems through APIs reliably. Like you want to be able to get data from HR and out of HR. You want to be able to send a message to um, saying Active Directory, add a user, look up user credentials, change credentials, add something to success factors, right? You want APIs there. The key is that is development work. And that's where IT governance, security, you want those APIs well secured and role-based. Now, the middle layer, if you think about the middle layers where I'm talking to the person, I'm writing the script, if you will, say the chatbot, giving it options of what to say and what to do, you want the business people to actually be able to do that because they're going to change it a hundred times. They're going to look at it. They're going to try and say, well, we can actually reverse these two steps and it would make more sense based on this role in the organization versus that role. Or, you know, I actually need to change this because we have new regulatory compliance reasons. And the business processes change much more often than the APS because let's face it, you don't upgrade your ERP every week. You do keep your business running every week. And external pressures change that customer demand, you know, changes in your business model. Maybe it's competitive pressure or something. Um, say the government has new regulatory compliance things you have to follow up with. Those things don't always happen on January 1st. They happen throughout the year. So you're constantly in flux changing those. If you allow the business to be in control of the process itself, what are the steps? Who do they interact with? What are the questions we ask of different systems? And let them software development lifecycle is a term SDLC it change it using existing APIs that will give you a lot of velocity. And then the last layer is like you know communicating with the end user. And so you don't want to say write one version for a mobile device and one version for a browser and one version to be a pop up chatbot. You want basically because we're saying use conversation back and forth. Conversation is universal. You can converse over SMS or WhatsApp, typing back and forth the same way you type back and forth on a chatbot or in, say, an actual um, app on your phone. So by 
using natural language processing, natural language understanding to actually interact with conversation, we solve all the UI problems because it becomes just how do you want it delivered? And then that's a non-issue. Let IT control the bottom. And it's not going to take 100 people. It's going to take like three people to do that. And then scale in the middle. Because, yes, an IT person who's a big you know, project person, well, I could build this. Of course you can. In nine months with a team of 25 people. Or you can actually use a platform which gives you the advantages of proper separation, purpose built for this you know, an AI iPass, an integration bus to get to data, and then the ability to model the conversation and interact and use fuzzy logic and natural language processing every step along the way. So you don't have to build a form. You say, you know, please, what is your birthday? When do you want to start? You say Monday or Tuesday, it'll figure it out, right? You want to make it conversational and use natural language processing to handle all that. Yeah. If someone says, I want a desktop versus a notebook, it shouldn't be writing a form with a radio button. They should be able to say, your preferred method of working is on what device? That It's a simple question. It doesn't require developing a form. Yeah. Sorry, it, so often. Yeah, it shouldn't, uh, you know, it shouldn't require so much development, but, you know, that it, it stems back from, you know, in the past 10 years where we had this shadow IT problem, right? So IT was too slow. So businesses, well, I'm just going to go buy a SaaS product and, yeah. and use it. And intelligent business, I'll call them business workers or knowledge workers, right? They see the potential of the generative AI platforms and they, they understand they're going to be able to modify those workflows faster than IT can. So with the same uh, in that realm, you know, every business is a software business, right? I mean, a lot of the banks have more developers than at Microsoft. So, yep. I mean, it those those don't match, right? If 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 every if every company is a software company, they want to build it themselves, but they can't build it fast enough. There, exactly. there's someone someone's going to have to give, right? So. What mm -hmm. I mean, who do you think the the champion is in this? Is it the is it the the business operations people that need? Hey, I need this thing to solve this problem, and you guys are too slow. Well, you know, yes. Oh, we can build it right because everybody can build everything, but it takes nine months. Who, you know, what is that conversation going to be like? So the line of business actually understands urgency and they need for agility. Because they line of business realizes I'm going to build this and I'm going to keep changing it over and over and over. And traditionally, development and say software company, we build an application once and then changing it is also like oh, such a pain, right? So the traditional low code optimizes to build forms and build things fast, but then regenerating and updating them is always the pain, and it, it breaks in the long term. So. We looked at the approach differently and said, you need to optimize for change, optimize for the second change, the third change, because business is always going to need some change. They need to be agile when they do it. So you need business to be able to describe really, it's not that I need this and this is how often I'm going to change it. I'm going to change this 15 times in one year. So I need to have it very easy to do. And a good architect should be able to make that separation. And if you if you actually point it out, they'll be like, oh yeah, of course. It's like, I don't need it built fast the first time and then 
you have to rebuild it the second time. I need it built fast, but I need it to be, I can modify it every week as things change. I need to optimize on maintenance, not on the initial build speed. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that is a whole other podcast in itself, right? Yeah. Like how do, how do yeah. I deal with uh, the technical debt I have today? And how do I limit what debt I'm building for tomorrow? Because that is, I mean, it's 80% of the cost of an application is after you launch it, right? The change is too hard and, and people can't change, right? So we, you said yes. earlier, you know, agility as a core competency. I think, uh, you know, that is going to really come to fruition in a lot of IT groups yeah. is like how, how fast it's going to change. Because from November, when we first saw uh, the chat GPT, you know, 3.5 product, it's completely different now, right? We're only talking seven yeah. months. Yeah. So I think one thing that is from a business person, you can say, you've always told me we're going to build a project plan, we're going to write the software, and then we're going to hardening phase, which means lock it down and so it doesn't change again. That can't happen in modern times. You have no concept of hardening phase. It's always going to need to change. Because when you go, the idea is hardening phase, you're done with the project, turn it away, walk away, do something different, right? It is like they, they don't end, they're living, and you need to be able to adapt and change constantly. So it is a, it's a different software development lifecycle mindset of how do, you, how do you actually stay reactive to your changes in business? Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate uh, you talking about these three different uh, enterprise requirements for generative AI. The third episode and future episode that we're doing is about data governance and security risks. So I think you mentioned that a little bit before on, um, you know, how do you manage all the, the role-based access of all these mm -hmm. systems? So we'll cover that next time. So I really appreciate it. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to The Union. I hope it was insightful and caused you to think about how you can influence technical advancements at your company. Please subscribe to the Union Podcast Series on your favorite podcast player to listen to past and future episodes. If you have a question for any of us or have a suggestion for the show, please email me at scott at Thanks for listening.